Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. I'm here today with Kevin DePew, Deputy Chief Economist and National Industry Eminence Program Leader at RSM. Kevin, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. RSM recently published its Middle Market Business Index for the third quarter. What did that report reveal about the confidence of leaders in the middle market? Our uh, index declined to 129.4 in the third quarter from 132.3 in the prior period. Now, a couple of things about that decline. Uh, The first is that it didn't capture the recent escalation of the trade war. So our view would be that it would, uh, if it had, it would likely decline a little bit further. Uh, But the important thing to understand about that that 129.4 figure, uh, our survey, anything above 100 is considered optimism. Anything below 100, obviously, would be uh, pessimism. Uh, For this business cycle, obviously, we've been well above 100. So even though it has declined, you have to say that current quarter sentiment remains solid. What we're concerned about are the forward-looking indicators in the survey sub-indices. Those, uh, those do show some risk for middle market businesses in the months ahead. Does that risk translate to the potential for a slowdown in the near term? Well, it's not, it's not pointing to a slowdown yet. We do mm-hmm. have a couple of other things that we look at. Uh, a recession probability model that shows an elevated uh, likelihood of recession. But for this index itself, what it's showing us is that middle market sentiment has deteriorated. And to the extent those businesses have exposure to the escalation of the trade war, to what is already a contraction in United States manufacturing in line with the global deceleration and contraction in manufacturing, uh, those businesses would be at risk. And what our fear is, is that as the trade war starts to accelerate, uh, if it does uh, for the remainder of this year, that it could spill over into consumer products and then ultimately into the services sector. Hmm. And talk a little bit more about that. You know, the, the report noted that the slowdown happening in, in global manufacturing could, in fact, spill over to the services sector. What would that look like and what types of businesses would be affected? Okay, so right now the, the contraction is largely isolated to manufacturing. And specifically, even when you dig into manufacturing, uh, for more granular data, it would be those companies that have a specific exposure to the tariffed items that are entering the United States. So one thing about the middle market that's a little bit different than, say, your John Deere's or your Caterpillar's, the large uh, Fortune 500 companies in the world, those companies have uh, much more flexibility and the ability to restructure their supply chains away from tariffs They have flexibility to, in some cases, even accept some of the margin pressures that may be created as a result of tariffed items that may be from 15 percent, maybe going up to 30 percent. Within the middle market, there's much less flexibility. Uh, You simply do not have the same maneuverability. You don't have the same ability to eat those uh, costs uh, the way some of the Fortune 500 may be going to do. And so that creates additional competitive pressures for you within your own industry. Now, if it begins to spread out from manufacturing to other areas of the real economy, so, for example, professional services, if it starts to spread into uh, tech media telecom, uh, if it starts to spread into uh, commercial real estate, for example, then I think that that's when you start to get the cascading effect throughout the real economy that would put us in a recession in the second half of next year. And in terms of staving off some of the slowdown in manufacturing or preventing it from spreading to other industries, is that as simple as the Trump administration just calling off the trade war? Well, that would be nice. <laughs> but uh, 
that would also be highly unlikely. So, uh, and and I say that based on the conversation that our chief economist Joe Busuelos has had with policymakers in D.C. as recently as a week ago, and the reality is that this trade war is a is likely to be a long term persistent feature of the U.S. economy. Now, having said that. Yes, certainly if, if the United States and China were to be able to reach some kind of agreement in the next few weeks or by the end of the year or even in the first half of next year, that would be ideal. Uh, I think at that point, you would see the potential to roll back some of the tariffs. Uh, but there are a lot of, of things uh, that are that are intertwined now with a simple goods deficit the United States runs with China. So among those items, uh, the introduction of the intellectual property theft uh, the introduction of the issue of forced technology transfers. When you layer those on top of what has been a troublesome goods deficit, and I'm speaking from uh, the standpoint of what the administration has said is troublesome, uh, then that's when it becomes much more difficult to simply sign an agreement, walk away, uh, similar to the way the United States, Mexico, and Canada have with USMCA, uh, similar to the way the recent agreement the United States has signed in terms of agricultural products, uh, with Japan. So a lot more nuance to this. We think that this is going to be a longer term persistent feature of the U.S. economy going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, and at, at the start of this, I think, to your point, everyone thought it was going to be temporary. Now that it's looking a little bit more long term and people are viewing this as maybe the new normal in terms of trade relations, are you seeing middle market companies adapt their strategies now that there's less of a reason to believe that there's an end in sight? Well, they're definitely trying to. Uh, Again, this goes back to uh, the notion that for middle market businesses, uh, some of them simply do not have the same flexibility that their larger competitors do. Uh, And the other other aspect of this that I think makes it difficult to see in the macroeconomic data is that the imposition of tariffs on products coming into the United States uh, creates a microeconomic uh, effect for those specific companies. So it's the case that two companies in the same industry sitting side by side in the same industrial park, based on the composition of their supply chains, they may have totally different experiences of the tariffs than uh, than what you would anticipate for them being in the same industry. Mm-hmm. It makes it difficult to talk about in a way that covers everybody. Instead, you, you really have to look at specific supply, supply chain exposure, Uh, and also what their sensitivity is to those uh, potential price shocks. The most recent middle market business index showed that 58% of executives in the third quarter reported an increase in gross revenues, and 63% said they expect revenues to increase in the next six months. Is it fair to say that business leaders still feel pretty good about their own prospects, even as their confidence in the overall economy is, is maybe not as strong as it was in previous quarters? Well, yes, I think that is fair to say. Uh, one thing I would note about that is when you bring in this, that 63%, for example, uh, that number has peaked. And, and that was seven, if you go back to the first quarter of 2018, that number peaked at 75%. Hmm. So it does show some significant deterioration over the past year and a half. And so our view is that this is likely to carry forward. And to the extent that this trade war uh, is unresolved or introduces new issues or new tariffs, uh, then that could further weigh on sentiment going forward. Mm -hmm. 
And you mentioned the escalating trade war as a development since the survey behind this report was conducted, but there have been other developments too, ranging from twists in Brexit to disruption in the oil markets after the attack on the Saudi plant. Now we have an impeachment inquiry happening in the U.S. You know, are, are any of these going to have an impact on business sentiment that you'll expect to see you know, show up in the next middle market business index in the next quarter? Well, those are what we call or what we would refer to as uh, potentially transitory events. So uh, Brexit, for example, uh, if if that were to happen on October 31st, meaning a no-deal Brexit, obviously the dislocations that would create in the UK economy and the surrounding economies, uh, potentially spilling over even into the United States, those would tend to be transitory. Same with uh, with any kind of impeachment inquiry, um, the study oil field attacks. The one thing we know is that is that for all of those items, the that typically it's a, 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 a this too shall pass type of event. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trade war, however, because of the, the potential for it to be a long-term feature of the U.S. economy going forward, meaning an increase in protectionism, uh, the potential to repatriate supply chains back into the United States, that would have the potential to have a much longer-term uh, damping effect on business confidence going forward. In fact, uh, we would argue that it's already created uh, essentially an uncertainty tax on the economy. And by that, we mean uh, if you are a business and you're trying to make uh, a major investment decision, the kinds that require uh, perhaps board approval or a six or 12 month advanced time frame, then the uncertainty surrounding the trade war is preventing you from being able to confidently make those investments. And that's showing up in GDP data. And we think that that's also what is is, uh, showing up in, in capital expenditure plans on the parts of the middle market companies we survey. The end of this quarter's report includes a list of considerations for business leaders as they start planning for the end of this economic cycle. We'll include a link for listeners to see the full list when we post this episode, but are there any items that you would point to as ones that maybe tend to get overlooked or that receive less attention than they should? Well, there are uh, there are two that I would point to that I feel like this goes back to we've been advising clients for for little more than a year now that uh, that when we first started talking about tariffs uh, there was the perception that okay well this is just uh, the administration negotiating uh, with our trading partners and they're using tariffs as a negotiating tactic and, and they'll reach an agreement and they'll move on and then here we are a year almost a year and a half later and the tariffs have actually increased uh, they've increased not only from uh, the initial imposition and in the June 2018 tariffs uh, to uh, covering other items, to now moving down the supply chain so that the next round, October 15th, if those happen, and December, if those happen, those are going to hit items that show up directly on the consumer price shelves. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the first thing you can do is supply chain mapping. Uh, that's one of the things that we help our clients with. The next one are, are looking at things like price shocks related to uh, potential. You know, it's one thing if you're importing a million dollars of goods from China and there's a 10% tariff, well, that $100,000, you might be able to share the burden of that with the trading partner that you're working with. Um, uh, When you get to 30% and you're talking about for a middle market business, uh, an additional $100,000 in cost that you did not anticipate happening uh, goes to $300,000, well, that is an entirely different story. And so I think mapping your supply chain, understanding your sensitivity to supply, uh, to price shocks on the supply chain side and also on the labor side 
uh, that those are areas that businesses could go a long way toward uh, actively managing what could be a very protracted trade war. Mm-hmm. And with the trade war and with you know the Great Recession in the rearview mirror, there's naturally a lot of fear around um, the next downturn and what's that what that's going to look like. For middle market businesses, is there a silver lining of a slowdown that they could look forward to and and start to plan for? Well, absolutely. That's a that's a great a great question and a great point that you bring up because I, I think when we talk to business owners, many of them their worst fear is that the next recession would look exactly like the 2008-2009 crisis. And so there's a big difference between an economic deceleration that we're experiencing right now, the potential for a recession and the impact on business, versus uh, a structural systemic financial crisis, uh, which requires uh, massive intervention on the part of monetary authorities and fiscal policymakers. So those are different animals. What we're talking about is the potential for a slowing economy to turn into uh, a bit of what you would call a garden variety recession. And so we think there is an opportunity on the other side of that. And so businesses, to the extent that they can follow that list, go through, stress test their balance sheets, uh, look at their supply chains, prepare for what would be a growing economy on the other side, that that's the silver lining that we would encourage uh, businesses to look forward to. And Otherwise, to just be prepared for what an economic slowdown might look like so that you are positioned to be able to take advantage of those opportunities on the other side. Mm-hmm. And with signs pointing to a continuing low interest rate environment, does that present an opportunity for businesses as well? It does to an extent, but now we're starting to go down the road of the, the what seems like a permanent feature of the new economy which is a very old, ultra-low interest rate environment, one uh, with the potential to introduce negative interest rates if something were to happen. Mm-hmm. I think that might be in a, diff- a different show. But uh, I think it does, to the, to the extent that your borrowing costs are low and you have the ability to access capital from lenders at low cost, and I think that, yes, that's a, that's a potential uh, uh, opportunity that you can take advantage of. So last time we had you on, you gave some great recommendations in terms of books that you were reading. So I was curious what's on your what's on your shelf these days, if there's an article or a book that you'd recommend to listeners. Well, I'll tell you one that we're reading in the industry analyst program that I lead. And uh, the book is called Capitalism Without Capital. It's the rise of the intangible economy. And so that sounds, uh, I know if, uh, you're going to listen, you're going to hear that and you're going to say, okay, well, that sounds very uh, uh uh, very trendy, new agey type thing, but it's really not. And what it talks about is uh, the way the economy has evolved uh, over the past 20 years toward an increasing investment in intangible items. Hmm. And so some of those intangibles are things, uh, some of those uh, issues are things like uh, sunken cost. So if your investment is intangible and you start a new business, like a platform-based business, say an Uber or an Airbnb, you no longer have physical assets like hard machinery or things you could sell off to recoup some of your money if uh, if the business fails. Um, it also tends to create things like spillovers that can be taken advantage of by your rivals. So you think of Uber versus Lyft and the other competitors that, that arose after that platform was created. Uh, it does create additional scalability, different synergies. So it just talks about uh, not that any of the things that uh, we have associated with tangible investments versus intangibles are either good or bad, uh, just the, the case that they're different, and it requires thinking about things in a different way in a rapidly changing economic environment. Great. Well, we'll leave it there. Kevin, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much, Katie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. 
Subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Please email them to editor at acg.org. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more content covering the middle market, private capital investment, and trends in middle market M&A.